98.7 FM, Arizona's sports station. Burns and Gambo, the 4 o'clock reset. Brought to you by Collins Comfort AC and Plumbing. Proud home services partner of the Arizona Cardinals. 4 o'clock reset. All right, let's start then with the Arizona Cardinals. The team made some roster moves today. They re-signed tight end Steven Anderson, long snapper Aaron Brewer, and cornerback Christian Matthew. To make room on the roster, the team placed wide receiver Antoine Wesley and safety Charles Washington on the injured list. Antonio Hamilton was placed on the non-football injury list. We'll talk about that in depth in just a minute. The Cardinals also added veteran linebacker Devon Kennard to the practice squad. From the pros to the college. ASU football starts this season. They started tonight. The Sun Devils, led by Florida transfer Emory Jones, welcome Northern Arizona University. The Lumberjacks to Tempe. Pre-game coverage gets started in 30 minutes. Kickoff is at 7 over on ESPN 620 AM. The D-backs called up veteran infielder Wilmer Defoe from AAA Reno and designated reliever Noe Ramirez for assignment. Tonight, the Snakes look to bounce back from an awful end to their series against the Phillies. Merrill Kelly gets the start against righty Brandon Woodruff as the Brewers head to Chase Field. First pitch is at 640 right here on 98.7 FM in the Arizona Sports app. And in the NBA, the Utah Jazz are sending guard Donovan Mitchell to the Cleveland Cavaliers for a deal centered around Larry Markkinen, Colin Sexton, three first-round picks, and two pick swaps. We told you that Cleveland had interest in Donovan Mitchell first right here several weeks ago. That is is the top stories of the day. Now let's get into the Antonio Hamilton situation. I reported after we heard that Antonio Hamilton was going to go on the short-term uh, IR list, non-football injury, injury list, um, I reported that from what I was hearing, um, and I tweeted this out a few hours ago, my understanding is that Antonio Hamilton burned himself. He was cooking in the kitchen and spilled hot oil on himself. It was severe enough on both feet, both feet, and his arm where he had to go to the hospital. Uh, a few minutes after that, I treated that he, uh, I, I tweeted that he was treated at Valley Wise Medical Center for his burns. A little bit after that, mm-hmm. he actually, after the, the reports that we had, he tweeted out a picture. And he said, I had the greatest camp of my career. And last Monday, I had an accident that could have ended up deadly for me and my family. But instead, I got the short end of it by having my feet severely burned. It was literally a freak accident. And God spared me only to have these injuries. So he tweeted out a picture of those burns. I retweeted it. So it's up there now. So. My understanding, and we, I knew about this last week. We had actually dropped a lot of hints. I didn't want to give out a lot of medical information, mm-hmm. but we dropped a lot of hints during the week. If you heard us talking about cooking or the kitchen, and you're like, what the hell are they talking about? It was just kind of like some inside tidbits as to stuff that, uh, that, that I knew about. I told you exactly what happened to Antonio Hamilton, too. I think last Friday, I told you what happened to him. Yeah, and now the, the list he's on, he's out for the first four games. Yeah, and that's going to be tough. First and foremost, we... We obviously wish Antonio Hamilton well. Looking at the picture, the picture is not graphic from a, you know, like, oh my gosh, that's disgusting standpoint, but it looks like he lost a lot of skin on his legs and his feet. Yeah. It was extremely painful. Clearly, the Cardinals placing him on that list. They know that he's not going to be ready to play football anytime soon. So they obviously have to, you know, juggle their roster a little bit to put themselves in a 
the best possible position to, to compete. H- having said all that, it happened 10 days ago. Monday. There's 10 days until the first game, mm-hmm. and he's going to miss four games. So you're talking about an injury, yeah. thanks to this cooking oil mishap, that's pretty much going to shelve Antonio Hamilton for over 40 days. So yeah. that, that, to, to me, that... That speaks to the severity of the burns. Well, let me tell you why. And that's just really unfortunate. Yeah, let me tell you why he he's going to be out. Uh, his return was very dependent on the blistering and what they call compartment syndrome, which has to deal with the blood flow in his feet. So that was the issue right there. They weren't sure initially, like, you know, it takes, you know, burns take time to heal. They just take time to heal. So... He, it was depending on the amount of blistering he was going to get and compartment syndrome, which has to deal with the blood flow in his feet after he burned his feet real well. What I was told from, you know, from the people in the know here that I got the information from, um, is that the situation is remotely similar, not completely, to when Antonio Brown burned his feet in a cryo chamber a couple of years ago when he first joined the Raiders. He had to deal with blistering, dead skin, things like that. So um, Antonio Hamilton was at Valley Wise Medical Center in downtown Phoenix. He dealt with the burn unit there. He got his treatment. And uh, and it was a secret for a while, um, you know, uh, and, and now it's out. And, you know, what we, we reported a lot of what was going on with Antonio Hamilton. The bottom line is he did have a great camp. He did have a great camp and he was going to be counted on very heavily for the Arizona Cardinals. Now we do. The most important thing is we wish Antonio Hamilton well. He's a great, he's a very good player. He's a great person. He he was excited about this year. He spoke glowingly about the cornerback room. So we do, we wish him a speedy recovery. We hope he gets back to the football field. The Arizona Cardinals can surely use him, but he's got to take this time now. Burns are, they're no joke. He's got to take his time to heal properly with the burns that he had, the severe burns that he had, second-degree burns. He had just become a starter. So you don't want any starter to to suffer an injury, whether it's on the field or off the field, obviously. But here's a position of need with not a lot of depth, an important position. They're all important, but cornerback, I don't need to go into how important that position is on the field. for the Cardinals. For the Cardinals, not a lot of depth there. So the Cardinals were lacking depth and maybe NFL talent depth uh, at that position even before this happened. You knew they were going to have to go out and make a trade. You knew they were going to have to scan the waiver wire to bring in help. They did that, bringing in Mullen and Guidry in the last 48 hours. Now you know Hamilton's going to be gone for a month of football. And in those first three games, you're talking about Patrick Mahomes, you're talking about Devontae Adams, you're talking about Cooper Cup, Matthew Stafford, Sean McVay, Andy Reid. You're talking about guys who know how to attack a secondary, and now you lose one of your starting cornerbacks. So they re-signed Christian Matthew immediately, who had been waived, their seventh-round pick cornerback. You probably don't expect him to help you much in September. So you're looking at Marco Wilson, you're looking at Byron Murphy, obviously, and now you need your two newcomers, Gambo, to be up to speed in less than two weeks in a new defense yeah. and out there on the field making plays right away in week one. Yeah, Mullen and Gidry. Mullen and Gidry have you to be able Mullen to Mullen and Gidry to come in and play right away. That, and, but they have to play well. I mean, it's not about playing. They don't. They they, it, they got to be. Gotta, if they, they don't gotta, play well, they're going to they're going to give up a lot of yards in the air, and, and it's going to be a long day for that defense. And there's nobody. There's 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 nobody. There's nowhere else to go. No. 
They, they have to play, and they have to play well. But that's why they, listen, that's why they're not signing guys that are on the street right now. They made a trade for Trayvon Mullen. He was a second-round pick. He was a, uh, uh, a Clemson product. He was a terrific player at Clemson. They had to make a trade to get him. And then, again, they put in a waiver claim. Only 33 players were claimed. The Cardinals actually claimed Gidry. They claimed him. They didn't allow him to clear, and then he could have signed anywhere. Like they claimed him, so they made sure that they got the two guys, two guys that they wanted, two guys that they liked. So I feel better about that than just you know waiting until today and saying, okay, who's out there that we could sign? It's just it's it's unfortunate with with the, the Jeff Gladney situation speaks for itself, and now. And now what's happened to Antonio Hamilton, the, the organization uh, in the front office, and Steve Kime has been put in a bind now. Some might say they maybe waited too long to make a trade for a corner, but I'm sure it wasn't for a lack of trying. Yeah. I'm sure they were, I'm sure they were trying to swing a deal. The cornerbacks, listen, teams aren't just like, hey, well, yeah, we got a great corner. Yeah, send us a pick. That won't help us right away. Right. We'll take one of our great corners. Not going to happen. Not that easy. So here we are. Bottom line is Mullen and Gidry have to be on the field playing well in these first three weeks or the Cardinals are in deep trouble. Now you got Vance Joseph will have a you know short Full amount stop. of time to get them ready for tough games against Kansas City and then the Raiders and eventually got the Rams and it's a tough schedule to start the season. ASU, they get going tonight against NAU. What are the expectations? I'll tell you what I'm looking for from the Sun Devils next on 98.7 FM Arizona Sports Station. 987 FM, Arizona Sports Station. Burns and Dambo. All right, Devils in action tonight, taking on NAU as they start the season. Everybody expects that they'll take care of business and get the W before they take on Oklahoma State, but it could be a long year for ASU. You know, I was thinking about this today as I was just going through my notes, getting ready for Emory Jones' debut for ASU tonight. And, you know, some of the, for me, I had a couple of things for goals. I want to see what you think about these things. Okay. Number one, I put down, this is just my goals. Don't don't be humiliated. No bad losses, no blowout losses. Last year, they lost to BYU by 10, Utah 14, Washington State 7, Oregon State 14, Wisconsin 7. All of their losses were... Seven, you know, seven to 14 points. They didn't get blown out in any of their games. I thought that was, to me, I thought that was, I think that's a factor. Play, you know, play competitively. Don't try not to suffer any really bad, humiliating losses. Okay. I'll buy you know, like that. that. I, 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 I would, that would be, that would be a fantastic goal. I'm not sure how realistic it is because they are going to be. Thanks to the the eighteen transfers, and I, I know they have forty three new players, but it doesn't mean they have forty three good new players. I do like the quarterback. I think there's some upside there, but Gambo, I, I do think that in certain games, I'm talking about Utah, Oklahoma State on the road at USC. There, there's going to be a significant talent differential, and I think it's going to be it's going to be tough for Arizona State to keep those games close uh, unless this new new coaching staff can kind of get them to play a, a cleaner brand of football than we've seen out of our 
Herm Edwards uh, regime over these past few years when they've been heavily pe- penalized, they've been sloppy, uh, they've had chaos in the backfield pre-snap, and they've looked like a group that really has no idea what they're doing. Uh, so if that doesn't get cleaned up, plus the talent differential, I think there's a few of these games on the schedule that 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 could be that could be the blowouts that you're talking about that you'd like to see them avoid. Yeah, be competitive. You may not win a lot of games, but be competitive, right? Be competitive. You know, keep everybody uh, you know involved. Just don't suffer a lot of bad loss. Don't have those you know thirty point loss, a thirty five point loss. And and the other thing I said with forty three new players, they've only got two freshmen that are going to play a little bit, and they're going to be third string guys. They've got eighteen transfers that'll be too deep. Eleven of those are FBS guys. Establish a little bit of a core for next. Season, I know they're an older veteran team, but you've got the sophomore Daniel Nagata, you've got the sophomore uh, Elijah Badger. The both of those guys are redshirt sophomores. You know, I would like to see them establish a little bit of a core so that next year they've got some key guys coming back. Problem is, if you don't have a great year and you do finish five and seven or four and eight, a lot of these guys that are decent this year are gone. The transfer portal is a gateway to greener pastures, especially yeah. if there's a coaching change. And while you talk about the two freshmen this year that aren't going to play, which means they're not going to be a super, super young team, the reason why there are only two freshmen is because nobody wanted to come play here this year. No, and, the, and so you, so your 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 bloodlines are, are are thin in terms of building the program. Up and if there's a coaching change, listen. There's just there's just a lot going on. Most of it is not good to me. When I look at the ASU schedule, I see a tough game at Oklahoma State. I see tough games against Utah and USC. I see a two and three start. Fine, no big deal. Not the end of the world. Here's where I see the season being made or broke: uh, the Washington, Stanford, Colorado trifecta uh, stretch. Washington, in, Stanford, Colorado. Okay, right, right in the middle of Colorado. Colorado, right in the middle of October. What are you going to do in those? Three games. Are you going zero for three? Are you going three and zero? To me, those three games will make or break the season. How you come out of those? Because out of that, listen, UCLA is always going to be a tough game. Washington State, pretty good football team on the road. Oregon State, that should be a win at home. I hate playing that'll be a win, that'll be a loss kind of game. But to me, I look at that October stretch where you're probably going to be two and three. Washington, Stanford, and Colorado. How you do in that three-game stretch could define the season in terms of your overall record. Is it going to be okay? Perm had a pretty decent season, all things considered. Or, okay, this thing was downright ugly. Well, I, I, you don't want it to get downright ugly because, again, you don't want to be raided again next year. You don't want to be raided again. Win some football games, show signs of hope and belief that, you know, this team can, that they can be relevant. But if you suffer a really bad season, now I said last year was a really bad season, even though they, you know, they, they end up going with eight and five, but there was higher expectations last year. Well, last year was the year. Like I said it, like last year you were set up to go, to go get to the Rose Bowl. And then they had just some awful collapses, terrible games against BYU, terrible game against Oregon State, um, the Utah game. 
Like I thought last year, they they were they were senior laden. Had everybody back. It really felt like they were set up for success, and they flopped. What you don't want to do is, and then you got raided afterwards. Now a lot of that may add to do with the NIL money that's out there. A lot of it may add to do with the investigation and kids just wanting to get out and just better opportunities. But you don't want to put yourself in a position where you get raided again. You know, to where okay, we've got six good players. They're all going to leave. We got five. Like you don't want to get to that. Like a lot of their good players left. So if you establish that you've got okay, we were just talking about like Badger and, and Nagata. If those guys have good seasons, you've got to you you want to be somewhat relevant to where like okay, those guys are going to leave now because they had a good year. I worry. I do. I worry because of the transfer portal. Of course, I worry about that. That every time ASU. Gets a couple of good players that somebody's got to look to poach those guys. Campbell, I can promise you right now, if Arizona State has an ugly four and eight or five and seven season, and five kids stand out, and five kids have great years individually, and there's a coaching change, there's a good chance a lot of those guys will leave. That's the nature of college football, and that's not an ASU thing. That's a college football thing, especially if you tack on a coaching change. Kids are, and, and, and then the NIL deal. On top of that, sure. That that's that that's that's a college football prog- pro- problem. It's a game changer. That's, that's intensified. It's a game changer at Arizona State where yeah. you where you're losing games and you're having a new coach come in, perhaps a new regime altogether. I and mean, who knows what's going to happen in the athletic department uh, in, in in totality when all this stuff clears. So. Again, I, I man, I, I just the, the re, one of the reasons why they underachieved last year is because they're just poorly coached. I'm sorry, they're just poorly coached. I think anybody that honestly looks how at how undisciplined program, were they last so year? So undisciplined. That was so frustrating. I mean, so undi- I mean, you know, poor Jordan Simonia, the sideline reporter, just was just, finally had enough and just tore into them on a podcast because he, what he was watching just ripped out his soul and his heart uh, because of the the poor. Play and the discipline, the lack thereof, and then of course he gets fired for speaking his mind. Yeah, it's a whole nother. I thought the worst. It's just they did. They just. It was just a disaster. Yeah, and a disaster gamble that started at the very top in the head coach. They lost to me the game in Corvallis. They were a complete no show. They go to Corvallis and they lose 24 to 10. How do you score 10 points against Oregon State? They had an unbelievable seven false star penalties in the game, three on the same drive. They had three false star penalties on the same drive. Like once, twice. Like, are you kidding me? It was just, you had missed field goals. Zendayas missed from 32. They missed another one. Oregon State had 236 yards on. I mean, it was, it was bad. It was really, really bad. Oregon State game in Corvallis to me was the one where, like, okay, if you said, hey, Herm, they got to get rid of Herm. To me, that was the game. That team was so ill-prepared to go to Corvallis and play the Beavers. It was a joke. And then they were coming off back-to-back wins in that game. And you go back three games, the homecoming game against Washington State where they kept putting the ball down on the turf. I mean, just turning it over. Like, uh, I mean, like, the, the, just the, uh, just the, the, the non-consideration for ball security is the way I 
I would put it like, guys, what are you doing out there? Can we focus a little bit on the task at hand? I, it was just, man, it, it was one of the more frustrating seasons in some time because the talent was there, but the production and the focus was not. Yeah, they were so sloppy against BYU, again, with all the penalties against BYU. They had 16 penalties against BYU. 16. How do you have 16 penalties? They're like, oh, some of those games just were just so frustrating last year, and I hope that they clean that up and they don't have those same issues this this that's, this time around. That, a lot of that's coaching, Gamble. That a lot of that's coaching. is what you are hoping for. The Arizona Diamondbacks, they finished a really good month of August. We'll talk about that next on 98.7 FM, Arizona Sports Station. 98.7 FM, Arizona Sports Station. Burns and Gambo. All right, we got a lot of stuff going on. We got college football right now. We're watching West Virginia and Pittsburgh with the two former USC transfer quarterbacks. And then we've got the, the D-backs tonight against the Brew Crew. We've got ASU against NAU. So, man, a lot of sports tonight. A lot of sports tonight if you want uh, to go watch some. We had our Twitter poll question up earlier today. It was a pretty good one. Let's check back in with Eric Ruby for our Sanderson Ford Twitter poll update. Burns and Gambo need to know Twitter poll update presented by Sanderson Ford. Like you said, Gambo, it's football season. College football starting tonight. Obviously, like you said, ASU football taking on NAU. Let's go. Let's get a quick score prediction. And I've actually got a second poll out for you guys as well. So first poll is how much do you think ASU win by, wins by or do you think they win at all? You've got four options. ASU wins by seven or less. ASU wins by eight to 14 points. ASU wins by 15 plus. Mm. And of course, the Lumberjacks win. And Ringer's got his sunglasses on for this one. I got my prescription sunglasses on so I can see my boy Keaton Slovis work his magic for Pittsburgh here on the television screen. Uh, the uh, Former USC quarterback. Former Desert Mountain High School football star right down the street from I'm going with Castle. ASU wins by 15 plus. ASU wins by 15 or more. Yeah, I am in agreement with Gamble mm-hmm. on that one. I, I don't see the. Uh, I, I, I understand NAU has given ASU problems in the past for a while, and that may happen again tonight. But at the end of the day, the size of the, the lines and the overall talent on ASU, they're going to pull away for probably a. 24 point win. 45% of people agree with you guys. ASU wins by 15 plus. In second place, ASU winning by 8 to 14 at 26.2%. In third place, NAU winning at 17.3%. And in last place, ASU wins by 7 or less. But what are you guys watching the most during tonight's game? Is it new quarterback Emory Jones? The overall team chemistry, coaching, or penalties? Oh, all of them. I mean, because they were just so undisciplined last year. So undisciplined. The penalties were such a deal. They were setting records for penalties last year. So I am going to watch for that. Because that's coaching. I mean, that's coaching, coaching. right there. So, But I do want to see the new quarterback to see how good he is. I don't know if we'll get a, what kind of a gauge we'll have against NAU. And, you, and, and again, I don't think they're going to show a lot. I think they're going to run the ball a lot against NAU because they don't want to show too much to Oklahoma State. No, but I want, you know what? I want to see him drop back. I want to see him throw the football. I want to see how he kind of looks over at defense. I want to see his composure. I did watch that Alabama game last night 
But when you're watching Florida try to come back and beat Alabama, you're kind of not really looking at the Florida quarterback and thinking to yourself, let me let me evaluate this guy. He may be playing for Arizona State next year. So I really kind of want to study him just to see how he kind of operates at that position. In terms of the penalties, I'm really interested to see how they do at Stillwater when they play Oklahoma State because that's where you ner- that's where the nerves get frayed uh, and that's, you have to be really yeah. disciplined. If they, if, if, that's if, a hard game for yeah, them. If they if, if they're all over the map on that day, that I'm going to know nothing nothing has improved. Well, all eyes are on Emory for Week One. Fifty six percent leading the way are going to be watching him the most. In second place, twenty percent is the penalties. In third place is overall team chemistry with a lot of new faces. And in last place is coaching. Alright, that's your Sanderson Ford poll question. You can go on the Burns and Gambo page on Twitter and and check that out. Before we get to this uh, this diving back stuff, Tim, Tim sent me something. Page 6, Trouble in Paradise, Tom Brady and Gazelle in an epic fight? Is that the tabloids Trou- in New York? Trouble in Paradise. Trouble in Paradise. I will say this. What, what did they say about it? Just because page 6 no, it's usually got a lot of stuff that's very accurate. They got connections. If they have it, they well. It's funny, you know. We talked about she the left Tom, the the fa- she left to go to Costa Rica. Well, we talked about what might be wrong with Tom Brady because he didn't quite look right, and people national media were kind of commenting on what why does Brady not look great in his press conference, and his face didn't look right, and a lot of people were making snide comments, but serious comments as well, and what's up with Tom, and he says it's personal, I'm going through a lot of Mm you-know-what, I'm 45 years old, uh, and I had to leave training camp for 10 days, and it's personal, and all of a sudden, page six. We're told that Gazelle has left the family compound in Tampa for Costa Rica following a series of heated arguments over his decision to unretire from the NFL. She is big mad, he's not home taking care of the kids. And missed 11 days of training camp, when they quizzed him, he said it's all personal, a lot of blank going on, like you mentioned. So we'll uh, we'll just so that's just that's come out. Everybody's kind of went, what's going on with Tom Brady? Why has he missed so much time? Was he really taping the Masked Singer? And but Page Six is saying it it might be a little bit more he than might that. be trying to keep his marriage together. I mean, listen, Brad, I will say this: my observation of Brady at that at that press conference, his face he looked like he had not eaten in about two weeks. He did he, he did look. A little unhealthy. That is, that's my personal observation, and that's all I'm going to say about that. Everything else is speculation. And now page six has this, so take that for what you will. Diamondbacks and the Brewers tonight. Um, they got uh, they got a lot of good things going on. One of the things that's really positive for them, I think, is they're going to take a look at that month that they just had in in, in August, uh, where they won sixteen baseball games. They went sixteen and twelve. That's their best record in a single month since September two thousand nineteen, when they went fifteen and eleven. So a good record for the Arizona Diamondbacks. They won some games, and there was some negative. Of course, in the month of August, I mean, Madison Bumgarner still hasn't gotten anybody out. That was a negative. But the positive and Mark Melanson and the struggles of the bullpen with Ian Kennedy and Melanson. But the positives far outweigh the negatives. 16 and 12 record. Zach Gallen scoreless inning streak. You bring up Stone Garrett and Corbin Carroll. We've seen Tommy Henry. Like a lot of good things happen for this baseball club 
in the month of August. None greater than Corbin Carroll coming up and proving that he can play. But we're seeing a little bit of the youth movement. You already had Thomas. You already had Varsho. McCarthy really established himself, I think, in the month of uh, of August, too. I mean, I, I wasn't really 100% sure what they had in McCarthy. And then uh, as this month ended, we had him on the show yesterday. He's got he's got some potential to really help this ball club going forward. He does, and he's got some leadership skills. I could just hear it in his voice and the way he handled that interview, and not that that's the end-all, be-all. But you get a sense of somebody's character uh, when you speak to him for 15 minutes, and he really struck me as a guy that could be a clubhouse leader. I just got that sense from that, and I think in, during the course of his entire high school and professional career, he's been exactly that. Great two-sport athlete, one of the best football players in the state uh, when he was in high school, and obviously now a great uh, baseball player. And listen, Garrett McCarthy and, and Corbin Carroll lately have it's they've they've given this this team and really the organization you know a B12 shot right in the patootie uh, there's just no question about it uh, the, the, these guys are fun to watch uh, the team is fun to watch right now usually here as we hit September a lot of fans have kind of turned the page on baseball and are focusing on football. That's not been the case right now with these Diamondbacks. People no. are talking about them. People want to watch them. People want to watch this Carol run the bases. I mentioned to you earlier. Bat. People are, I mean, people, listen, I'm not saying people are stopping me in the street, but I've heard more people talk about the D-backs yeah. in the last seven days than I've had in the last couple of years, I can tell you that. I was at my kids' baseball practice the other day. Me and one of the other parents, Nick, we went down to uh, uh, the Gilbert Pizza Shop. We grabbed a couple slices, sat at the bar, and in the next to us were two guys watching the D-back game. We all started talking about the D-backs, and they were at the Pools game, and they were at the Corbin Carroll debut. We just, man, it was just, I haven't had that in a while. I haven't had that in a while. We just start talking with strangers. You just start talking some D-back baseball, and everybody was, was really excited about it. Donovan Mitchell has been traded from the Utah Jazz to Cleveland. The Cleveland Cavaliers get him, and now all focus of attention is on a couple of other players that the Jazz may be willing to trade should the Suns be interested. We'll talk about that next on 98.7 FM, Arizona Sports Station. 98.7 FM, Arizona Sports Station. Burns and Gambo. Tim Rainfield for Burns. We're going to go right up to 6 o'clock. So much going on today with the uh, Antonio Hamilton news. We've got ASU play and D-backs in action tonight against the Brewers. Big signing in the NFL with Russell Wilson and the Broncos extending him to age 40. We've also got a big trade in the NBA. Donovan Mitchell to the Cleveland Cavaliers. Back on August 23rd, I mentioned that the Cavaliers were interested in Donovan Mitchell. He ends up going there. Big trade. Now, a lot of people, they're going to wonder, okay, now that Donovan Mitchell's been traded, what would the, are the Jazz going to move any of their other pieces? And make no mistake about it, they got some good pieces. Bogdanovich, Clarkson, are those are big name pieces, big name players. And I think a lot of people are going to ask whether the Phoenix Suns would get in on any of those guys. And I think rightfully so. And I would think, especially a guy like Clarkson, who was the sixth man of the year, a guy that can score in the perimeter and, and put up big numbers in bunches. And a guy like Bogdanovich Gambo, I mean, yeah, he's got a price tag on him. He makes a whole lot more money than, than Clarkson. I think he's about $19 million a year. 
but he's also a better scorer. Yeah, and he he, uh, he can also score in a in a variety of ways. I mean, listen, both those guys would be exactly what the doctor ordered, even though they're both very different players. You would take either one. Clarkson's just a little different in terms of what he would do off the bench. Bogdanovich, Bogdanovich would probably be your he'd be your starter. I mean, that's I I, I, I would I would think. If, if the Suns were able to pull a deal off to get him, that's that's the question mark. Are you ready? Give it to me. Phoenix Suns reached out for her uh, in, with interest on Bogdan Bogdanovich today. The Phoenix Suns have reached out. This is breaking news, people. To the Jazz with interest on Bogdan Bogdanovich. Now I don't know that they the Suns have anything that the Jazz would really want. Player wise, do you mean Boyan? Boyan. What okay, just I making sure. I, yeah, the wrong. I said the wrong one. Yeah, let me say that again. The Suns did reach out with interest for Boyan Bogdanovich today. So the Suns do have interest in the Jazz uh, forward to see if the they can get him. I imagine it would take a couple of picks to get him. I don't know if they have the players that it would take to get him because I don't like I don't think they're going to they're not going to trade Cam Johnson for him. Well, see, here's the problem. Boyan Bogdanovich, the small forward from the Jazz, 33 years old. Yes, the Phoenix Suns have interest in Bogdanovich. So the question is do the Suns have any kind of capital, either player or draft capital, that the Jazz? You're not going to get them for one first-round draft pick, I'll tell you that right now. It will no, be multiple first-round picks. And You'd after, have to give up multiple first-round picks. And understand this, after today, after the deal for Donovan Mitchell today, the Jazz have 15 first-round picks in the next seven years. I hate to be glib about it, but how many more do they need? Yeah. Yeah. So you start thinking player-wise, and that's where it gets a little dicey. The Suns are a team trying to win now, so you're not going to give up guys that can help you win now to bring in another guy that can help you win now. I mean, Jay Crowder is obviously a piece that you could move. Then you have to start matching up salaries. Yes, you have to match up salaries, so you'd have to give them an expiring contract. An expiring contract. But then also, at the same time, it would have to be somebody that the Jazz would would want. And that's where it also gets dicey. But let's not bury the lead. As Gambo just broke the story here moments ago, not only do the Suns have interest in Bogdanovich, they reached out today. To yeah. the jazz. My understanding is that the uh, that the Suns did it. reach out to find out what it would take to get uh, Bogdanovich. So that's that is real interesting. Big name out there. Could the Phoenix Suns pull that off? This would be uh, that 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 would be a big name scorer, an elite scorer, if they can get a guy like that. He's thirty three years old. He makes about nineteen million a year. But listen for the for the the salary deal. You're a Suns fan right now, driving around in your car. I, at that point, I, I, nobody's concerned about that. Can this guy be a piece to the puzzle that can help put you over the edge to get you back in the NBA Finals and make a run at that elusive championship? I don't know if he's the final piece, the missing link. I'll tell you this, you are a way better basketball team if you can add a player like Bogdanovich. 
I watched a lot of jazz basketball. Oh, he's so good. He is he's a such good a good player. scorer. I mean, he's a good three-point shooter. He's a good mid-range guy. And he's he consistent. can go to the basket. He's a consistent scorer. I mean, veteran player, playoff tested. He'll, you know, he's not going to shy away from a shot with the, with a shot clock down in a playoff game. I mean, he really does give you um, another guy that can score at all three levels, and, and it's what you need, right? You didn't get Durant, and they wouldn't have had interest in him if they had gotten Durant. But without Durant, now you're saying, okay, who can take, a, who can alleviate some of the pressure off of Chris Paul and Devin Booker? Bogdanovich is a guy that can alleviate some of that pressure for sure. And again, I can't stress enough about the consistency. And what I mean by that is, as much as we've loved the the, the run that we've been on. With son, as from a Suns fan base, watching Jay Crowder and, and Mikel Bridges, when it comes to offensively, those two guys at the forward position are still kind of like a box of chocolates. Mm-hmm. You don't know what you're going to get. There, 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 there are nights, and I, this goes for both of them. There are nights when Mikel Bridges is electrifying, gives you 25, 30 points, and there are nights where he is nowhere to be found. And he gives you seven, he gives you ten, he gives you, you are 11. You, are you worried at all about his contract being an expiring contract? No. I, you, if you had to give up, say, they're not going to trade him for one first-round pick, not the 30th pick in the draft. If it was two first-round picks, then I think you could, you might be able to get him with an expiring deal. But you're only getting him for one year. Like you're only, you've got him for one year. So it's, would you give up two first-round draft picks to go get a player like this that can help you right now? But this year, he, like he's, t- you know, he's I, I here to help you. you right now. Yeah, you know you're why? Probably, you might not be able to keep no, him after this year. You know why? Because of Chris, Chris Paul's age. Because of Chris Paul's age, Gamble, this is it. it. This this is it. I'm not saying this is it forever in the Booker Ayton era, but for the Chris Paul for the Chris Paul window, this is it. Bring on a Bogdanovich and let's make a run at this thing. I'm not sure it's still good enough, but 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 given the Chris Paul era coming to an end probably after this year, at least with a championship window. Uh, I'm doing everything and anything I can in 22 23 to give my team the very best chance to win a title and then worry about the years after yeah. after that. These now, picks if, are if these, Chris Paul was 27, I, I don't I wouldn't do it, but he's not 27. These picks could be used for something else down the road. You know, you could use these picks to go get the replacement for Chris Paul or you could use them now to try to get you something that that really can help you. Well, if, if Devin Booker and DeAndre Ayton turn out to be as good as we think they are, then you're not going to find a replacement for Chris Paul picking that late in the draft. You're going to find yourself another Tyler Ennis or Ty Jerome. Okay? So that that's, you know, that's that's the way I look at it, and so I'm going. I'm going. I'm going all in on this next season, while my Chris Paul championship window is open. And if Bogdanovich is on the market, a guy that can score like that and play like that, I'm doing what I can within reason, obviously. To bring him here. Yeah. Interesting name, but we can tell you that the Suns do have interest in Boyan Bogdanovich. The Suns do have interest in the Jazz small forward. Now that Utah's traded Donovan Mitchell, could they trade Clarkson? Bogdanovich, yes on Bogdanovich. I'm going to say no on Clarkson, but yes on Bogdanovich. All right. The Arizona Cardinals, they are still in need of some players. Could an edge rusher, a veteran edge rusher, be on their way here? We'll talk about that next on 98.7 FM, Arizona Sports Station.